Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Here's a stoop story from Lumbee tribe member Carl Harding about creating his American dream. Hello, everyone. I was born a Native American in North Carolina from the Lumbee tribe, and my father was a sharecropper. We moved around every two years, and I went to every school in Robinson County. I dropped out of school at eighth grade because my father had cancer, and my brother and I had to take over about a 300-acre farm with two mules, and we never made a penny. We farmed all our life up to I was 15 years old, and my father was say, next year we'll get out of debt. Next year we'll get out of debt. I said, ah, darn, there got to be a better way. So some guys came home from the weekend that had been working out of, out of, out of the uh, area, and they had, was working in Moorhead City as migrants, working farmland, you know, farming. And they said, this, hey, why don't you go with us back to Moorhead City? They said, the guy told us to bring him some help back on the farm. I was 15 years old. I went in there and packed all the clothes I had, which was a pair of underwear, a T-shirt, and another pair of pants and what I had on, and I threw it out the window in one of those shopping bags with the, rat, with the handles on it, took off to Moorhead City, went to work, worked 40 hours that week, and the guy gave me $40. And I felt guilty taking the money. I said, what in the hell is I going to do with all this money, man? It was a stack of money like that. I think it was all $1 bills. I had never seen that much money in my life. Back when we, when they turned on electric at our house, the light bill was $1.50, and every month they'd turn it off and take us two months to get that $1.50 to get it turned back on. So when I saw all that money, I took that money home and went, went to bed that night and put it up under my back and opened my pocket knife and laid awake all night, afraid somebody would come in there and cut my throat and take my money. Well, after the first couple of weeks of that, I was hanging with them boys and started partying and figured out that wasn't quite enough money. You know, I mean, I was going through that money faster than I could make it. But I did look out for my mom. When I go home on the weekends, I'd always give her some money. <clears throat> so my, when the work was over with, the, the farm work, they, I told them, called my father and said, hey, uh, I'll be coming home for the winter. He said, no, you won't. He says, We've got the farm done without you, and says, I think you better stay where you are. If you made it this summer, you should be able to make it this winter. I'm thinking, damn, I'm 15 years old. What am I going to do now, you know? Some of them boys said, hey, they're building a building down the road. I want you to go there and get a job. They said, you had to be 16, though. I said, he said I said, I'll tell the guy I'm 16. I walked in there and asked the guy, I said, hey, man, I'm looking for a job. He said, how old are you? I said, just turned 16. He said, well, what can you do? I said, I'd do anything. He said, what have you been doing? I said, farming all my life and doing anything anybody showed me how to do. I'll pick on, I learned real fast. He said, all right. Back then, there was no subcontractors. One company had their own, every crew. They had their own, all electricians, plumbers, everything. Every day, I'd go out with a different crew. So one day with the plumbers, one way with electricians, carpenters and all. So I learned to do a little bit of everything. And uh, the guy said to me one day, young blood, said, you need a trade. I said, what, kind, what are you talking about? He said, you need to learn one of these trades. He said, which one of these uh, jobs that you work on do you like the best? I said, man, I like to see them bricklayers laid in brick. I said, that's amazing how they do that. He said, all right, you're going to be a bricklayer. I said, no, nah, I don't want to be a bricklayer. Them guys told me that takes three years. I said, ain't you got something else I could do real, learn real quick? 
He said, well, what are you going to be doing for the next 60 years of your life? I started thinking about it. You know, he's right. He said, come in Monday morning. If you don't have any tools, turn around and go back home. Told me what, the tool, what, the, what kind of tools to buy. Went to work that Monday morning and put me with a bricklayer that built the corners. And uh, I worked with him, and the first day I laid 25 brick, they took 24 up. Next day I laid 60 brick, they took out 10. Next day I laid 200 brick, and he brushed them down and touched them up a little bit and said, you're okay. Seven months, I had a crew. They gave me a five-man crew, and I learned to trade. Moved back to North Carolina and started working, making good money, helping my mother. And then I got wild, started partying a little bit and figured I better settle down. So I got married, saw I wasn't going to make it there around the same friends. You, when, you, when you're out there, you got to get away from the people that's hanging on to you and clinging. And every day I come home, they were saying, hey, come on out, let's go, let's go. And yeah, I just got married. I'm trying to settle down. So I called my sister, and she was living here in Maryland, and I asked her, I said, is there any jobs up there for bricklayers? She said, God, there's five ads in the paper. I said, can I come up and get a, uh, go to work and stay with you for a couple of days? She said, yeah, come on up. So I paid my bootleg bill that week, other little odds and ends, and I, jumped, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to get a bus ticket on a Greyhound, and I'm going to Baltimore, and then I'll come back and get you. She said, no, you won't. You get around in white girls, I'll never see you again. <laughs> so she packed up too, boy. We bought that two boat Greyhound tickets. I had $12 left. As I said, God, well, at least I'm li- going to be living with my sister. She'll have some food in the house. So we come into Baltimore, jumped on a cab, and he flew us down through the city, scared the living hell out of us. I thought I was going to go to jail just for riding too fast. And I uh, showed the guy this address on his sub. Matchbox cover. And I said, do you know where this is? He said, yeah, jump. Yeah, let's go. He gets me in front of 27 North Broadway. And all the way there, every house looked identical. I said, how in the hell is he going to find this house? And, all, and everything's identical. He there you are right there, buddy. I said, what do you mean? He said, that house right there, that's 27 North Broadway. Uh, look, man, I ain't getting out of this car unless you make sure my sister's living in that house. He said, what floor is she on? I told him, third floor. He goes over there and rings the doorbell. Window opens. Somebody pops their head out, and hits my sister. She had her rollers as big as toilet tissue rings in her head. She looked out there, and she said, can I help you? I said, looked up, I said, oh my God, that's my sister. That is the the most beautiful face I had ever saw in my life. I was scared to death in that big city. She said, uh, said, yeah, somebody in the car will say that they're related to you. I said, don't worry about it. I got it from him, boy. And he threw them suitcases out, and I gave him about three or four dollars of that, twelve dollars. Went up, and Monday morning I had a job. Went to work in Crofton. They had just built, started building Crofton then. I worked there 10 years. When we finished up Crofton, I started with a, we started branching out doing subdivisions. And one of the builders says, why don't you, young blood, why don't you start your own business? I said, man, I don't know nothing about no business. I ain't got but eighth grade education. He said, I'll help you. I became a contractor, built homes, and Raised a family, built my own home. I built about 15 homes during that time. 
and I'm still a contractor at 78 years old, mingling around, but I got a small crew and I love what I'm doing. And America is the place to be. But funny thing, when I went first, first day I went to the job, the guy said, there's another one of them hillbillies from North Carolina. I wonder how does he call me a hillbilly? I ain't, I ain't never seen a hill in my life. All I, <laughs> North Carolina, on them field farms, you could see look like 10 miles and nothing, no hills or anything. So funny thing, I went to Ellicott City to work, and I went home and wrote my mother a letter that night and said, guess what, Mama? We worked in the mountains today, she said. <laughs> I ain't never seen a mountain in my life. I said, we worked in the mountains. I thought Ellicott City was mountains. <laughs> I'm a hillbiller. I don't see the hill. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoyed it. That was a Stoop story from Carl Harding about hard work, perseverance, and making one's place in the world. We have more information about the Stoop storytelling series, including live events coming up and the Stoop podcast at the On the Record page at WYPR.org. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Hope your weekend is purposeful. <laughs>